0: Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm Dave Gurney, and I'm here with... Carlos Cooper. And that's it for this episode. That's what it. is going on? We're high and dry here. Um yeah, our usual buddies uh weren't weren't able to make this one, but uh
1: which, t- you know, nah, no fault of their own. This movie played for literally one showing, one showing. in our town. That's right. Just one.
0: Um and the movie that uh, Carlos is talking about is the Swedish film Border, um, just released this year, and um it, and you know it has been getting some theatrical run here in the states, but but pretty limited. And we were lucky enough to get a single screening down here, and we both went to see it and felt like this is a film we needed to discuss uh, with with you all listening. But before we get to that, as we like to do, we are going to crack open a beer, and I tried to go somewhat thematic with this one. Um, so the film, as you're going to find out as we talk about it here, is sort of fairy tale in nature, and it and it deals with some sorts of mythical creatures, so to speak, and so to speak. I have uh, a bottle of... Actually, I think I'm going to go with the other one here. Uh, Sierra Nevada, they put out a a beer called Bigfoot. It is a barley wine ale that they put out uh, once a year. And it's been coming out, I I should have looked this up, but I, I mean, it's a number of years. I feel like we're looking at 15, 20 years, maybe even more. They've been putting this beer out. And I have a couple different editions, actually, that we're going to drink over the course of this episode. I think I'm going to go with the freshest, and this one is the 2018 Bigfoot, which was actually bottled right at the end of 2017. So this is actually a year old anyway, Mm. Um, but then we have a slightly older bottle that we'll open later. So, All right. And uh, for those unfamiliar, a barley wine uh, is a heftier beer. It's dark. It's dark. um, Usually with some caramel kind of notes to it and usually higher in ABV. I was gonna say I the ones we've
1: had know. have been pretty high in, I'm trying I'm to talking. think here. This
0: is a 9.6. So um, you know, plenty of alcohol there to to help get the conversation flowing. But yeah, it's kind of a nice um Yeah, I don't know. I would I would almost describe this as kind of a where am I going? Like a little, Tannish leathery color. I don't know. There, there's something, uh, it's, it's not super dark, but it, but it's darker than your typical ale. So, anyhow, cheers. All right. So, let's get into thinking about borders. So, um, film made in Sweden and uh, made by the director Ali Abbasi, who I've not seen, has made w- one other film that I have not seen uh the uh, I believe it's kind of a horror film if I remember correctly called Shelley um, but but this film, uh probably the most notable um, contributor to its making was uh, who is it Jean John Ashvide Lindqvist, who wrote the original story for Let the right One in um, and another, Sort of film from a few years back about mm-hmm. uh, adolescent vampires, um, so to speak. So, uh, but this film, different, not a vampire film, uh, described as a fantasy film. And the basic premise being we um, are sort of following this character uh, who is a border guard of sort, well, a, a border like a, agent. Like a customs agent. Yeah. yeah. So, like, as people come over on these ferries, um, you know.
1: I thought it was an airport at first, but we yeah. found out later that. Right. Cuz you know it's hard to
0: tell. Right, you're just seeing it's a facility and they're like kind of there as people are coming in, right? And 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 uh and and she's sort of the one who is kind of stopping people. Tina is the character's name and and Tina will just sort of Almost, um
1: she sniffs people out.
0: Well, yeah you you kind of, you kind of realize after a while. Yes, she, she's she's kind of sniffing people out and pulling, that can be figurative as well. Yeah, to get, getting people pulled aside so that other people can kind of search through their stuff, and and she's pretty great at it. Right? I mean, anytime she pulls somebody aside, there's something there.
1: She and she does seem to be able to pull anybody she feels Mm -hmm. aside with impunity no matter what like there's no she's obviously
0: uh, proven
1: no probable cause necessary
0: no no right there there's there's no probable cause needed um
1: slightly alarming
0: (laughs) we we can get into the politics of that um so but anyhow we we see this character as she kind of goes through her day-to-day um with her job um, how she has this sort of almost, uh, you know, supernatural ability to be able to to sniff out wrongdoing as it's as it's coming across the border, and then her daily life, which is sort of living out in this remote region of of uh, Sweden with this Some live-in guy, guy yeah. who we I wouldn't really describe as a boyfriend, but. Um, cohabitates with yeah. let's live with her in her house.
1: He likes is a dog breeder or something like yes, that. Yes, right. He goes to dogs. dog
0: shows, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh and, and and all seems to be going fine until one guy appears through the border checkpoint where um who who seems a lot like her. And 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 uh that they sort of strike up a relationship, that ends up sort of revealing some things about her true nature. And, you know, by, by the end of the film, we, we've learned a lot about these people. So um, that's that's a little vague, but um, but to get into it a little bit more, I think, um, you know, th- this is really a story about um, people outside of the norm in society. This is like people on the fringes of society who aren't accepted by those around them. And in particular, like right from the get-go, people call her out as ugly, yeah. people call her out as, as strange. Um, she
1: has a very, um, what's the word? Um, not Neanderthal, but this really prominent brow. Right, yeah. This kind of. Yeah. Uh, pre. Oh, fuck, what is the Cro-Magnon? word? Cro-Magnon? Maybe, um, but. Just right. these very exaggerated kind of facial features that right. we would not consider to be conventionally attractive, right? And
0: kind of like a swollen forehead, swollen yeah. cheeks, yeah, the, exactly. And um, and teeth that are kind of jagged, very and, jagged. Very you know, jagged. and and as you were saying, she's sniffing things out. She's like kind of constantly like wrinkling her nose and sniffing at things, and yeah. so you know, there, there's something a little bit off about it. Now that she at various points in the film, describes it as being a chromosomal um, abnormality, right? Abnormality, like that being yeah. this kind of genetic thing. And because she was raised to believe that, that, yeah. that um, she was simply, you know, like she, she suffers from a, a chromosomal abnormality and that sort of causes otherwise certain Otherwise normal. Right. But she is human. Yeah. Well, you know, we find out when she meets this other um, fella whose name... Vor. Vor, thank you. Uh, that, well, no, Vor seems to realize that they're not human. They have something else going on. They are, you know, he describes them as trolls. Yeah. Um, and and once they get together and she starts to be exposed to his living, his lifestyle, which is much more... Um,
1: much more primitive primitive and eating maggots off a tree. Well,
0: Embracing, I guess their nature, right? I mean like he, he, you know, yes, there's, there's a great scene where she kind of tracks him down because she's noticed their similarity and, you know, she, she's had him pulled aside. So she suspects him of something, but at the same time, she's kind of attracted to him in some way, um, goes and follows up and finds him at this hostel that he's staying at. And, you know, he's outside sort of foraging for bugs, uh or maggots or what, what mealworms. Like yeah. And you know, he's kinda like, you want to have one of these, don't you? And and, you know, it's it's there. It's like something that innately she wants, but she hasn't allowed herself to do. And he's able to encourage her to do it and, you know, and she does like it. And, yeah. and, and it's something that she does want to do. So it's it's interesting. It's like seeing this person being sort of exposed to something that was always forbidden to her. I mean, you don't see flashbacks or anything where when she was a kid, like her parents are, are sort of, uh, you know, pushing her away from that kind of behavior. But you get the sense that, well, she's been brought up with humans. They've taught her that it's gross to go out in the woods and forage for bugs, and it's gross to do these sorts of things. Um, but he, he's he's open to it.
1: Yeah, and even, be- even before he shows up, just her like going back to her house and the guy that lives there and all that kind of stuff, you can tell she is kind of striving for some kind of normality. Yeah. But isn't fully comfortable embracing it? Like he makes advances at her and she's like not really there for it. They sleep in different beds, even though they do seem to have some kind of,
0: well, he comes, there is that scene where he comes into the bed, Yeah, but she's like, she no. has, yeah, She doesn't want it. it, And but they may have at some point. It, yeah. se-
1: it seems as if they have. It seems like there is some kind of romantic thing that either has happened before, there's some kind of yeah. precedence of it, but...
0: Uh, but it's more a relationship of convenience. She likes yes. having somebody around. She wants to feel... Human, yeah. she wants to feel like she's part of and he society. needs a place to stay. He needs a place to he's stay. Kind of a bum. Right, and he's willing to freeload off this person who has yeah. a house. And yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, right. So there, there are some you know more subtle than maybe what we're used to in American filmmaking. Uh, yeah, subtle hints that she is trying really hard to maintain this sense of normality, right, and that she, you know, um, kind of. Uh, conforms to what society deems to be acceptable and things mm-hmm. like that. Even though as we find out later, she's been repressing some things and, you know, in theory and right. that she wants to embrace certain instincts that she has. Right. Um, which she does end up doing at some point. And then things get really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> like really. Str- I, yeah. I, I will admit there is a certain point in this film where I kind of I didn't I don't know if I nodded off but I like zoned out a bit because it is very slow, yeah. Uh, and I was like, "What is happening?" And then once I really like checked back in,
0: was it the sex scene that yeah. snapped you back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, kinda, I
1: when when I when I was finally when I finally kind of shook off like my fatigue and uh, you know kind of daydreaminess that. That movie kind of put me in for a minute. Yeah, there was some shit happening. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That I was not prepared for. <laughs> right, right. And I just got and as soon as that, I was fucking tuned in. After that, like yeah. I was like, "What is going on?" You know. Right. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a whole, it was a whole thing after
0: that. Right. So, so Vor comes to stay. With with Tina and essentially she has like a guest house or something that 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 he's kind of staying in and and at a certain point the the guy who she who she's cohabitating with whose whose name I'm forgetting. Um, does take R- off? Was it Roland? Yes, I think you're right. Is Ro- it that That's, seems yes, a little Roland. plain? Yeah. But... yeah, but it's Roland. Okay, it's Roland. Roland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he goes to one of his dog shows, and he's gone, and so they have this kind of like wild romp through the woods. You know, they and they strip down, and they're you know they're swimming yeah. and they're, in the in the uh, little spring that they have, and you know they're they're running through the woods, and then their passion ignites and. We already know because early in the film, actually, when she pulls him aside and has him searched,
1: he's her colleague,
0: uh, who is a male, yeah. a male human, strip searches Vor, uh, assuming that he's a hu- that he's a male, yeah, but then says, "I, you know, that was terribly embarrassing. You know, I went to, he, you know, he has a vagina," and and so you already know there's something off about but he presents as very male he's you know has a very
1: masculine energy
0: right and so when they get together you know he strips down and he does you know have a vagina she seems to as well and we've actually even seen her nude earlier in the film going into the to kind of confirm that but then has a troll penis emerge from just comes right out Yeah, yeah. I' sorry to laugh. I mean, I shouldn't laugh at troll sex. I mean, it's the, the, it's how they do it. I, I you know, it's not
1: I, a real thing. So, it's okay.
0: <laughs> but but that's how they you know they fornicate and they and they and they do their their thing.
1: Yeah, it was it was almost like like a like an appendage of like a Pokemon or something like that. Like <laughs> the, the way. Uh, the way that it, a Pokemon, all right. The way that it like it, it's something like something like it. It was almost as if like a plant were alive, and this was like its the way that it looks and it's right. depicted and like stuff. an
0: unfurling leaf. As and a, I yeah. exactly, so, thank yeah. you. So I was looking for. Yeah, I time. think it's yeah.
1: it's very bizarre. Yeah, and yeah, and she mounts him and does her thing, right? Uh, or.
0: There, you there know, is I, that, some yeah. grunting and moaning that goes on. And, there, yeah. there is. They seem yeah. to
1: have a great time. I'm very happy for them. Right, uh, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> and and
0: there are repercussions to this. But yes, yeah. that that is definitely, I think, a um, a key moment in the film, where where it's sort of okay. This and it also reveals this kind of weird um, sort of gender reversal that's going on in this troll species, right? That you have the the um, the trolls who present as more male or masculine in our sense, you know that that we're familiar with in human culture, um, actually are the, uh, the the egg carriers. I would assume, and the ones who get yeah. fertilized, the ones who are um, which and we find out later. You even hear about that, right? because later, a little bit later in the film, you see that not only is Vor as a male or or as the one who appears male to us, um, the carrier of the eggs, but like actually sort of essentially gives birth to these unfertilized eggs, which are further along in their development process than we would typically think of an egg being. Yeah. Um, they're, They're sort of, they look
1: like, Semi-human, yeah, they're like they're, these humanoid kind of figures. Right, they're
0: kind, they're kind of like be beyond even embryo. I mean, they aren't oh, yeah. quite fully babies, but they're they're like something along that they're developmental path. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: They they are starting to resemble the features of a face and right. hands and stuff like that,
0: and close enough to a baby yeah. that he can pass it off because yeah. that that's where things really get dark with with this, right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that so so you know come to find out so
1: earlier well, in the film yeah we even, have to backtrack to right. earlier the first guy right i think it's the first guy she pulls yeah and finds something on mm-hmm. it introduces it's like a thumb drive right it's a thumb he's drive getting, yeah. and this guy tries to eat when they find it right um because she knows he's up to something they search him he's got nothing she pulls out the pulls this thumb drive out of the back of his cell phone case right. i believe and he immediately tries to swallow it. Turns out there is a crap ton of child pornography on this thing. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up working more closely with the detectives investigating this because they They recognize realize. that she has
0: this extra sensory ability to yeah. be able to kind of sniff this thing out.
1: Yeah, so they're you know, they find this guy that is in possession of this, but what they're after is the trafficker of these and the people who are making and it, and the people right. who are making it. Yeah, right. How who's producing it, who's allowing you know, who's doing all this stuff. They're trying to get to the source to yeah. really to stop the thing, the real problem, not just the guy that the weirdo that has it, right? Um, and so that's where the weird unfertilized egg embryo thing comes eventually into play. comes back. Eventually yeah, eventually right. Comes back so, you,
0: and, you know, like they, she helps them crack down on this ring that is doing this right like this, so like she locates this apartment um with a detective where they are presumably filming some of this stuff at the very least keeping a baby i mean this is not just child porn it is like baby porn it's yeah um yeah.
1: Harkens back which you never like a serbian film. you
0: never see it it you know it it intimates it and, and they say it but you know you thank goodness they they don't actually There's visualize films it yeah um, that uh, you, you have that sort of being sort of, uh, you know, found by the detective, by by Tina with the detective, and you, you don't really understand, okay, well, how is this taking place? Where are they getting this baby? Because it doesn't seem a, to be the baby of anybody in that ring. And later, once you realize that Vor is giving birth to these semi-baby-looking things that it becomes, and not even apparent, because actually I was talking to somebody after the film and they didn't quite understand what was going on, but what seems to be happening is that Vor is taking these unfertilized eggs that he's giving birth to, and and he even says they're like, he can still like kind of mold them and shape them, so like can make it look enough like, A human baby to essentially replace the human baby with it and then it dies and so the people who have the actual human baby think that they've just you know had a baby that maybe died due to SIDS you know sudden infant death syndrome or something and then he takes the baby and delivers it to people who want to do this terrible sort of pornography stuff with it yeah it
1: it wasn't super apparent no I I did not realize it when, that was what happened okay. when we left the film, okay, which we'll get to the scene where it kind of reveals that, uh-huh. but it is, it is a little, it's not super on the nose saying like, this is what's happening. Right, you know? right. Um, so it, it took a little bit for me to piece that together. So I will concur with whoever you spoke to afterwards. Okay, you're you're in good company. In it, he's,
0: a, he's a good film goer who, uh, who who watches Mark? a lot of different... Yes, Mark, okay. yeah. Uh and and uh, he you know he wasn't clear on that either. I do
1: I do see him a lot of, at a lot of the specialty. Streams. He he
0: loves strange films. And, yeah, and, he does. And, uh, and and I do too. So the, so again, like it, now Vor is doing this. You have come to you find out like really is an act of revolt. I mean, he yeah. he is trying to fuck with the human race. I mean, he he's it, it's not just like he has contempt for them, right? Yeah, because. As you find out, as we find out, the troll species that they're part of has been sort of historically, um, you know, essentially killed off by humans.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, not just like oppressed or marginalized, but like brutalized and... Right, like, like kept you know, in
0: facilities like, and...
1: Tortured and... Right. All that kind of thing.
0: So he's fully aware of this, where, you know, where, again, Tina has spent her life relatively sheltered in, yeah, that, in that respect. Believing
1: her herself to be human.
0: yeah. And Unawa- it,
1: unaware of trolls as a whole,
0: and potentially, and and it seems like treated well enough by her parent, her adoptive parents. Yeah, right. Like she she has a relationship with her father who's going senile or maybe has Alzheimer's or something who's in, who's in a home, but um, but he obviously didn't have that and uh, and became aware of what was being done. And so I was doing this sort of as an act of uh, revolt against, against the human race and, and really trying to kind of pull it apart. And that I found really interesting. It's, it, so, you know, I think maybe getting away from the very particulars of the film, I think what I... This film really is stuck with me. I mean, I, I can't think of many films that that I've thought about more after seeing it than I have this one or you know I mean I guess there are other films that have come close but this is one where I just you know for days after it I, it it sort of rattles around in my head and I think part of it it's really interesting what it's doing on this very modest scale right I mean it's it's a very small scale story mm-hmm. um it's it's sort of as much as it's fantastical and it's and it's you know trolls and all that it's doing it in a way that feels very believable. Um, Because again, when she describes herself as having a chromosome, chromosome abnormality, I bought it. I mean, that's, that's what I thought was going on. I thought, okay, so this is going to be about a story about what it's like to be an outsider in a general sense, you know, like somebody who doesn't fit in with the rest of humankind. But then it becomes this outsider in a very, uh, a more distinct way. And, then you get introduced to Vor, who's also experiencing that, but is a little more aware of the the fuller um, you know the implications of the situation, and and this sort of uh, you know th- this this path of resistance that he's taking, which is really disturbing and troubling. But it's like, so what would somebody do, right? What would somebody do if they were really one of Very few. I mean, we have no idea how many of these trolls exist, essentially. Like, we know that they've been sort of systematically oppressed, tortured, killed by humans. So, what, they're one of maybe a dozen? I don't know. Like, how many of these might exist out in in the world? You get no sense. So, what would you even do to fight back? Well, play into the absolute worst... Um, you know, motives of humankind, right? And so, you know, there are these people who are out there looking to exploit children and looking to do these terrible things, so let them do that. Do that thing that's going to be, you know, like, that humans are already doing to themselves. Yeah, help them destroy themselves. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a really weird kind of concept. I mean, I I just, I don't think I've ever seen that play out in a film like
1: this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have either. And, I mean, you were, earlier you talked about this film that has this fantastical element on such a small scale, mm-hmm. right? You mentioned that earlier, and the thing that I thought about immediately was the fact that you have this kind of mythical race or species of people, you know, the trolls or whatever, but you never see some, like, magical troll city where they all no live no anything crazy like that. No. It's like, just about, you only see two of them, just right. these two people that are just trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. in, you know, a human world and it, you know, it, it's, what I think is even more interesting too is you have somebody in the character of Tina who was raised believing she was just kind of like a off or like a different kind of human to find out that she's actually a part of this other thing but her only connection to being a troll is this person who she finds kind of abhorrent in the things that he's doing, yeah, and kind of turns her back on him, and so yeah, you find so you find helps them catch him, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so you find where you quote unquote belong, but it doesn't fit, and so with what you want or what your your morals and ideals, right, and so. It's just it's just interesting to think about that like this is who you are this is where you're supposed to be but your introduction to that is so against what you believe right that you go back to being an outsider instead of that like yeah uh, there's something going on there yeah that I can't quite articulate in the way that I want to right no, now No but I I think you're but, getting it
0: it's it, it's it that that sort of tension between okay so I recognize I'm not like you, right? Meaning she's not like humans. Yeah. And yet she, even though she is like this other character, the Vor, you know, and and they really are part of the same species, um, that his actions, his behaviors are not allowing her to align with him either. And so then she finds herself in like, well, who do, okay, I'm not like you, but I'm also not like you. Where do I go? And and she does op- ultimately opt for the kind of you know morality, right? I mean, she makes the ethical choice to go with the people who are not exploiting innocent young babies, and 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 not doing terrible things to them. Yeah, even though she knows that from a you know sort of social standpoint, these are the people who have tortured her kind and and, and sort of done things. But but it does leave her. Um, With a baby, you know, so you, you do end up, you know, where the film ends is her taking care of, she, she, their act of, uh, you know, fornication in the woods there does result in an actual birth, and so there is this troll baby that she's taking care of, and she is raising, feeding it, um, the bugs, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, you, you know, like, so will there be a path forward where she's gonna sort of take this, what she's learned from Vor and try to put it into practice with this offspring in a way that will create a, a better version of, of of what they are? And, and how do you, I don't know. I mean, it's really complicated. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: And I, man, I feel like I didn't, I, I didn't quite spend enough time pursuing this angle of it, I think before coming into this, but I feel like there are other movies that deal with this kind of issue. Like yeah. Of, of, of being an outsider, finding where you're supposed to be and then, or like where you quote unquote belong. And then uh-huh. that not fitting in with who you actually are as a person. Yeah. And it, I can't think of any examples right now. And well, I know tomorrow I will. <laughs> no,
0: I can. And I think it's a film that we're going to talk about in the second half of this. So, so we'll
1: wait to get there.
0: Well, we'll wait to get there, but I think let's so so I think we've kind of walked through this film. It's
1: fucking nuts. It is. And just for context for the for the listeners out there, um so so this movie showed one day, one screening. Uh-huh. And so it was like do or die, let's go see it or we're not going to see it. So you said you were going mm-hmm. and I was like, "You know what? I'm going go to go too." Mhm. I took my fiance with me. <laughs> the three of us sat down. Yeah. The movie ends (laughs) and you look at us and say a day night movie for the ages. (laughs) I did say that. And the only thing, the only thing I can think of was like, you're fucking right about that. (laughs) And, and two, uh, I, I want, my mom's a little fuzzy about the particulars, but either the first, second, or third date, very, very early on in my parents' relationship, they went and saw uh, the cook, the thief. <laughs> <and> wow! <laughs> her, his wife and her lover. Wow! Uh, and that also a date night movie for the ages. Yeah, I,
0: I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah she
1: she maintains it's her it's her first. It was their first date, but does also maintain a bit of skepticism about whether it was like the first or second or whatever. Uh-huh. But the minute you said now, who, that... Now, who chose it, your dad or your probably mom? Probably my mom. My, my dad... Uh, My dad gives me and my mom shit constantly. All the movies you guys watch are depressing. Why do you like watching such depressing movies? And he's just sitting there watching John Wayne and uh, Sahara. uh, (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Yeah, actually, the last time that I watched Sahara was at their house. Uh, Kylie and I went over for dinner on a Sunday evening, as we tend to do most weeks, and uh, it was on, and he and I was like, "Man, I haven't seen this movie in forever." And that was actually right around the time that our whole Sahara bit began. Oh, really? And he pulls out the book. He has the fucking book that the movie's based off of.
0: Oh, that it's based on. It wasn't an adaptation of the of the movie. It wasn't like a novelization. It was no,
1: no. It the, was based, it was based okay. off this other book. Oh, very, wow. I think, loosely. But he was like, "Yeah, you should read this." And I was like, yeah, "What the fuck? Do you, you have the book that this." kind of crap movie <laughs> was based off of, but yeah, he likes that type of stuff, you know, just like romps. Yeah. Easy to watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just fun, so, so cook the thief. Though I've not his, that would not, not have been me And I am very surprised my mom got a second that's, date. After that's that, that, amazing. Well, That's not okay. his shit at all. But Th- that would know. be
0: right up there. Yeah. I get I, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this, this movie <laughs> was very similar for Kylie <laughs> and I.
1: though. Though I, I will say Kylie, Uh, Is much more open to that type of stuff than my father is, uh, yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. She likes a a deeper, darker kind of thinker more. Yeah, Um, but it still was like after leaving it, we were both just like, "What the fuck just?" Yeah, yeah, because I mean for anyone that has seen or for anyone that has a draft house in their area and keeps up to date with the special screenings that pop up in the app and all that stuff, you see the promo picture for this film and it's two people in like a body of water that looks somewhat disheveled looking up. Yeah. And it almost looks as if they're lost in this. Like to me, I interpreted that image just because I didn't read anything about it. Mm -hmm. The description said going blind. And I saw that and it looked like, they were in a boat that had capsized and were floating down the river looking for help. Like, that's the way I interpreted that that image. Then it was not that at all. No. Like, not even remotely. And so, yeah, just going into it blind. And it said, I mean, I will agree, there is a lot of merit going into this movie blind. Like, you do get something out of it.
0: Sorry, listeners.
1: But... Yeah, I mean it is it is a lot when you don't know what's going on, and then just yeah. getting all that just put yeah. on you, you know. I I
0: yeah. did I did really enjoy going in blind, I, so I like going into most movies
1: blind already. So this yeah, one is really I, I especially prefer, I
0: prefer it too. But I even had I I somebody had seen the trailer, had mentioned it to me, had said, "Oh, this and it's going to be showing at the Draft House," and then at Thanksgiving, I had a a friend who lives in Austin who I was speaking with and he had seen it, I guess it was playing, I think a more regular run there. And he said, Oh yeah, you should go see it and not, not really read anything about it. Like, yeah, just go. go." So I'm, I'm glad I did because it was, it was interesting to see. It was like, until like you say, like it it was kind of slow, kind of, you know, okay, where's this going? It feels very, I mean, I think that was one of the other interesting things. It's, you know, it's a small scale film. Also, very kind of gritty and real. Like it, th- yeah. Just the the life that she's living.
1: It's not great. The food
0: they're eating. Yeah. The you know the the decor in the house, the furniture, the bedroom. Like it's all very downtrodden. It's not. Yeah. It's not at all sort of um, made to look pretty on film. It's just it looks like normal people living a day to day existence. Yeah. Which makes it all the more. Kind of shocking and and to some extent unsettling when you realize oh wait but there's all this other stuff going on and what what is it so I don't know it's it's interesting when you have that so I agree with that um yeah so so a date film for the ages for sure <laughs> <laughs> so so is this your first time having Bigfoot
1: it is okay w- what are you thinking barley wine has a very specific smell to it it does now I will say.
0: With Sierra Nevada, with the with the Bigfoot, and this is probably one of the first barley wines I ever had some years back. Um, definitely in that sort of West Coast, um, well as Sierra Nevada is, it's a hoppy barley wine. It I think it's it's a like comparing it to some of the barley wines even I think that we've had on the podcast before. I we think had it's, the
1: blonde from Firestone, right? Walker. I
0: think it's a little less sweet. Yeah, I think it's a little more bitter. Yeah, Um I agree with those. Things. And but but I think it is to me. Uh, and and again, it may be because I, you know, had it, I don't know if it was like probably 10, 12 years ago, I had my had it for the first time. It's one that whenever I have it, it always kind of brings me back to Oh, yeah, I remember kind of having this and how it was. It was different than other beers I had. And part of that was yes, it has some of that caramel kind of um, you know, flavor profile, but it's also, you know, definitely got a, a, a hoppy bitterness to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is is that distinct smell that I get, is that the malt? Yeah. I I mean I, I haven't gotten super great at identifying the different like ingredients right. yet. But it does have. It's got to be the malt. That, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean the I mean the idea
0: of the barley wine is that it's very, it's very heavy on its bar, the malted barley that's okay. in it. So yeah, like it's it's a very malty nose that you get. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's, then you get in the you get sipping like it doesn't the the nose of it doesn't come off as hoppy. No, but once not at you start, all. But once you start sipping it, you definitely get the
1: hops for sure. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's and uh, that's
0: for a beer that's been sitting in my cabinet for a year. For a year, yeah. yeah. It's, um,
1: I, I do, I do enjoy it. Uh, it's a rapid. It's a. I mean, it's a vast departure from my usual. Yeah. Um, wh- is this something that I'm going to see on the shelf and like be like, "Ooh, gotta grab that." Probably not. Yeah. Um, but. If you're, if you're feeling kind of stagnant in your beer choices and mm-hmm. you feel like every time you go to pick up a six pack, you're getting the same thing and you know, you want to switch something up, this is a, this would be a great beer to do it or any barley wine in general, I think. Yes, yeah. Uh, if you want to add a little life into your beer rotation and try something new, yeah. um, I would say that that's cause I know when we had the blonde barley wine, I mentioned that, um, I would always see it on the shelf and not go for it because I didn't know what to expect or I wasn't sure if that's really what I was going for. Mm-hmm. But if I knew then what I know now, I would have been like, yeah, go ahead and pick this up, give it a go. It's going to be worth the experience that you'll have in the, just trying something different, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I wish I would have done that sooner yeah. than I did. Cause it took me a long time to try my first barley wine. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, this one, I, it's uh, it's pretty, it is very happy though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it.
0: Well, nice. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back and we're going to talk about kind of other films that maybe push some boundaries and, and maybe do some weird things with fairy tales and, or other kind of fantastical elements uh, in ways that sort of take us outside of maybe Lord of the Rings territory, and <laughs> the, the, the more safe fantasy realm. Uh, and, and we'll also crack open another beer when we return. so coming back here we are going to uh, talk about you know border is a very singular kind of film it's hard to think about what you would pair this film with but um, but it is a fairy tale of sorts it's a fantasy film and it's a film that incorporates some strange imagery I mean we mentioned troll penises and unformed uh, yeah. unfertilized egg fetus type things. Yeah. Um. So w- we're, we're going to think about some other films that maybe push boundaries that way and and do some interesting things maybe with fairy tales. But uh, before we get there, as we always like to do, we're going to open another beer. And in this case, I'm actually going to open one of the same beer, but I'm going back Not in one time. of, but
1: the same beer.
0: The same beer, but the 2015 edition, which was actually bottled at the end of 2014. So this is a four-year-old beer. This. So this was bottled on 12 11 and today is what today is 12, the, 12. we're recording this on 1212 12. so yeah, this so was exactly four years ago just about exactly four years ago that this
1: was bottled so I will I will say that just before we started recording the second half of this episode you said something that really fucking shook me <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wish that I wish that we had been rolling on that oh yeah so I, your well, reaction my, was my rea- pretty my reaction yeah I'm I, I don't know if I'm prepared for the second half of this episode. Okay,
0: well, so we, we don't even need to describe the beer because we've we've already... We it's very similar in color, movie. and we'll, we'll sip it, and we'll say what's different at the end. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so where, where I kind of started out, to me, one of the films that makes the most sense to go to and one that was sort of out in fairly recent release mm-hmm. um, just about a year ago, The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Okay, another fairy tale of sorts.
1: Masterpiece. Uh, see, I don't get that. I don't know. I... Masterpiece might be over exaggerating, but it's a fucking good movie. I don't know see okay and well, see that that's what fu- I oh, <laughs> <laughs> for, for those who for those who don't know the goings-ons of beer in the movie, we recorder we record two episodes at a time. We're busy people. We can only meet every so often, so we try to record two episodes at a time. It's true.
0: He's pulling back the curtain here, folks.
1: So that we can release an episode every week in a month. And I literally just got done fucking yelling at Ethan about Widows. (laughs) And now now the co-host that likes everything (laughs) comes in with a distaste for... Saint Guillermo del Toro. Okay, of well, Water. Let, I mean, let me he say. is a treasure.
0: Oh, he's a treasure. He's a treasure. I I really love Guillermo del Toro. Fantastic. I filmmaker. have been watching his films for years. I big Hellboy fan. Big Great movie. B- big Pan's Labyrinth fan. Even um, better movie. Th- I saw Pan's Labyrinth for the first time this year. Really? Or. Well, that makes sense. You were you were probably too young to go see. I it was in too the young theater. to go see it in the theater yeah. for sure.
1: It was in the last twelve to sixteen months or so that I saw it. It was right. it was pretty recent in comparison to how long the movie's been out. and right. God damn! I was so when I walked out of the theater, I literally looked at the people I went and saw it with, and I was like, "Why the fuck did this take me this long? Like, wow. I can't believe that I didn't see this movie mm-hmm. sooner. This is that was incredible."
0: It's an incredible film. I remember yeah. seeing it in the theater and being wowed by it. I think I might have seen it twice in the theater, honestly. Yeah. Um. So, but Shape of Water. So, I went into Shape of Water with huge expectations. As you should. And have. it was getting buzz about, yeah. you know, Oscars, which and it ended won. up panning out. Yeah. It won um, quite so, a few. And so, okay. I mean, there's different things. I kind of. I. I I guess I should address it because you're talking about it in this way, but but I kind of want to make the connection to border. Um, My problem with Shape of Water had to do with that central relationship between the – oh, God – Sally Hemming's character Mm -hmm. and the um, creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. (laughs) Abe Sapien. Abe Sapien. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't... The Abe Sapien character didn't emote to me in the ways that it needed to to make that relationship seem real to me. I don't know. There was Hmm. something off about that in their interactions. And it was being played... I think initially in this kind of cheeky, funny way where, you know, like she's feeding him these eggs and there's like this kind of, and, and, it, and it seemed more like, oh, she cares about this odd creature and stuff. And then it just so quickly kind of transitioned to they're in love and they're having sex and they're doing a, it didn't, that relationship didn't build in a way that made me feel like I could buy into it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of lost me in that transition from it being her just being a really empathic kind of person and wanting to connect with all those around her to being, Oh no, this is like one of her kind. Now where I think I see the relationship to border and where I think I like border more is that, um, you know, she ends up, she is one of the species. Yeah. Right? I mean, that that is kind of the, I don't think that's, I mean, it's it's a little ambiguous, but it seems pretty clear by the end of the film where they go off in the water and everything and she has, right, you see, she has gills, right? Don't we see? I don't, I'm in getting, Shape of Water? Yeah. That you, don't you see? Oh, okay. But it, there, it's pretty clear she can survive underwater. She's with him.
1: I mean, I need to there, watch that movie again.
0: Yeah? That, wasn't that how it ended? That I did not remember. All right. I don't know. But she's one of his species. She's obsessed with water. She's been, you know, like she has to masturbate in the bathtub. She's got all this stuff. I don't know. I felt like she was maybe some hybrid or whatever, like part of his species. and and <laughs> and we uh, and, and we're kind of seeing them come together. I couldn't buy it as I was watching it, but it seemed to be doing something very similar to what Border was doing, where it's sort of taking this kind of fantasy idea of, okay, you have this species that's sort of human like, or it's able to communicate with humans in this way that we're not used to other beings being, you know, like other creatures doing that, um, closer to humans than animals, than other animals are, and doing it in a way that, um, To me, I think it's strangely enough. I think in Shape of Water is trying to romanticize it more, Mm -hmm.
1: but then for sure is, but
0: then loses me because I don't buy into the romantic relationship as much. Whereas Border isn't trying to romanticize it at all. It's just like I was saying earlier, it's like this sort of gritty realist take on this idea of this alternate species that sort of do, you know, can pass as human. But doesn't quite make it, um, and them coming together, and it being this sort of problem, you know what I mean? And it and it doesn't sort of uh, gloss over the fact that, well, how would you really survive? Now, Shape of Water is a is is a fantasy film in all those senses. It's a, it's a fantasy film that that ends in this kind of, um, I think it's trying to be uplifting at the end, like bringing these characters together. Border doesn't give you that. Um, oh, yeah. that a little different.
1: I, I agree with that. It definitely doesn't. Yeah, it, de- it definitely doesn't have the the nice ending. That yeah. Now Shape there's of Water a lot does. that I liked
0: about Shape of Water. I'm not going to say I, I don't think it's a bad film. So much that I liked. about Shape I of Water. I thought Michael Shannon was fantastic Incredible. in it. I thought that, um, and I like Sally Hemings a lot. I mean, fantastic. I I thought that a lot of the little. Um, I don't know. They, they, What's the fucking guy's name? Um, um Richard, uh, right? Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. Yeah, he yeah. was
1: in Cabin in the Woods and some right. stuff
0: like that. Yeah. Um, great Liked in it. Him, yeah. yeah. I mean, no. It's don't get me wrong. Aesthetically, I think there's a lot, but that key relationship threw me off, and I couldn't buy into it. And I had to to make that film work the way that it wanted to.
1: You know, I, I think for me, I had already accepted that relationship before I even went into the film. Okay. Because the trailer showed enough that that was a thing. That See, was I didn't act-
0: think it was going to be a love story. I thought it was going to be yeah. one more of like understanding and somebody who's like going to help this creature. I didn't think it was going to be about them yeah, I think, forming a love relationship.
1: I think from the trailers, I got the love story thing okay. from it. So I went into it expecting that. Yeah. And so when it happened, I believed it. Yeah. Because I had already come to that conclusion in my mind right. uh, going into it. And. I mean, I've said it before, expectations, expectations, Now, what does that say? I mean,
0: I, I, and that's probably something about me, too, is it is, is no. is really... Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, that a film like Border, when you have things that look like each other falling in love, mm-hmm. I can buy into it,
1: but when things look different that I can't... I, I mean, that's kind of sad.
0: <laughs> maybe. I don't like I that mean, about myself.
1: Maybe, but I, I mean, I definitely think as a filmmaker, it's a bigger task to make the audience believe that a fish and a person can fall in love versus a somewhat person and a somewhat person, you know, like right. they, they look, well, th- that's what i border- yeah. I mean, but uh, just cause I mean, how many people do you know that are in romantic relationships with a goat or something like that? You know, like, that's just, like, that's, like, not a thing that happens the, yeah, in everyday Yeah, be- bestiality
0: life. is not something that we tend to... Well, uh, no, and that's what Shape yeah. of
1: Water is. I mean, it's a, it, it is. It's a it story is. of bestiality, find,
0: Though I think you find out there's, like, those indications that, oh, yeah, but she's one of them. So, like, yeah. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah.
1: but, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's... I I think that more than anything, it's, like... I think what that says at least in our different differing interpretations of shape of water is that the marketing of a film has a much bigger impact on its reception yeah. than a normal moviegoer would consider or think about or yeah. anything like that. Cause I mean, we, let's go back. I mean, we can go back to the widow's episode. People going into it wanting a straightforward heist movie are going to be disappointed. People going into it because it's a Steve McQueen movie aren't. You know, right. it depends on. Right. You right. know it, Whether all you're getting from it is what the trailer shows, or whether you're like, I know who this guy is. I know what he's about. I know yeah. what his movies are like, and that's what I want out of this. Yeah. You know. And I think that yeah. your
0: your preconceptions have a huge preconceptions have a huge way, like way, perfect. Yeah
1: absolutely perfect example um i did not see the green lantern movie when it came out yeah um i ignored it for a while when that movie came out i wasn't yet uh, like a comic book reader and i've i've stopped uh a lot in, mo- in more recent years but i but when i was really really heavy in it and i was going to the comic shop every week mm-hmm. and buying books and you know, buying back issues and reading all the trades of classic stories Mm -hmm. and stuff when I was really, really in it. And I was working in a comic book store. I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a big green lantern guy about the green lantern movie. And he was like, yeah, it's a piece of shit. It should have never existed. Fuck that movie. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, I don't remember it seeming that bad. And I, I watched it one day because it was on like it was like some free streaming thing on cable or whatever, mm-hmm. it was some on demand crap. And I was like, oh, I got nothing better to do. I'll put this on. And I watched the whole thing and I texted him. I was like, it wasn't that bad. What the difference is that he went into that movie wanting it to be really, really good. Yeah. And I went into it expecting it to be the lowest of the low. Right. So it was the difference in expectations that led to yeah. our differing views of it because I was like, OK, it was it wasn't great, but it wasn't that bad right and i mean i mean the marketing of a film can really make or break yeah you know yeah
0: well and it's it's interesting i mean as we were talking about before i think a lot of people have been saying i was told directly like go watch border without knowing anything yeah and you know in some way to watch
1: most movies i think
0: it is but in some ways when somebody tells me that I think it actually kind of raises the bar high because it's saying like, well, there's something of value here. Like if you go to it, you're going to get it. But again, it allows it to surprise you. It allows it to shock you. It allows it to do some things that um, that maybe it wouldn't do if you were to read the description. Yeah. Now, I think Shape of Water, if you're going to have a film, th- that's also something that a film that's being released on a small scale, limited release, can manage more easily. Because I for never sure. saw the trailer for Border... Me before another film or anything like that, even at the draft house where they showed it that one night. Um, on the other hand, Shape of Water. I was seeing trailers for for Constantly. months before it came out, Sick. and I was hearing the Oscar buzz, and I'm getting all that now. But but I think you're right. I mean, the, the, what you go in thinking in terms of the filmmaker. I mean, I didn't know. I knew the let the right ones let the right one in connection for border. Um, but it really goes in a, in a different thing you know it's it's not mm-hmm. a cookie cutter situation where okay yeah that's just like let the right one in yeah. um, uh, del toro you know i have certain preconceptions about For and sure. again part of that is pan's labyrinth right another fairy tale kind of film and i love that film devil's and backbone devil's backbone yeah th- that you know he can do things with these kind of fantasy elements and bring them into contact with characters that seem real enough to me and then do it in a pack. I mean, I don't know. He's, he's a really masterful storyteller. He loves cinema. I mean, there were part, like I said, there are definitely parts of shape of water that I loved, And there's parts of all these films that I love that are sort of being brought together. Um, I think, but he is a lover of fairy tales and yeah. he is a lover of fantastical film. Um, border doesn't come across that way. I think that's that's one of the interesting things about it is like it it is a fairy tale. It fits the idea like oh you have this mythical kind of creature that lives and it has this relationship to humans and it's doing this kind of evil thing and it needs to be killed and or or captured or whatever it is. Um but it's doing all that in this kind of weirdly realist kind of way that we don't typically associate with fantasy films.
1: Yeah, I am. I, I mean, I agree with that. It, the fantasy element is so grounded in, the most mundane hmm. reality you can imagine, yeah, and it, it yeah, it really does put it right. And like you say, it
0: never brings you to that. Like, well, let's show you the land of trolls. Let's, yeah. say, you know, like <laughs> you, you never get that sense that there's
1: that would be a classic Hollywood way of ruining them. Like, I mean, <laughs> the
0: remake, right? When they, no, when they, for the American the, adaptation would have that, and it would be they won't off. do, they I won't mean. do. But, but you know, but that actually kind of segues into another film that I brought up that I that I thought we could touch upon in this episode um which is taking elements of fantasy but bringing them in a different direction but also really grounding them in this kind of weird um mundane mundanity uh gritty monotony. kind of monotony eraser head yeah um, you know th- this
1: when you see the unfertilized egg yes every I I have to believe everybody that is well-versed in Lynchian cinema immediately goes to Eraserhead. Mm -hmm. I certainly did. I I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that, first thing I thought of. Right. Right. Uh, And that movie, I, you know, I, I think, I think that Eraserhead is more specifically or more intentionally designed to be somewhat dreamlike in, Mm -hmm. uh, it's aesthetic and it's pacing and things like that. But I, I do think Border had some elements of that as well. Like it kind of, for me, the way that certain uh, parts of it played out and the way that certain, you know, that it was paced, and it did take on at certain points this kind of dreamlike quality. Not to the extent that Eraserhead did, but enough to kind of kind of lull me into its world a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean the first time I ever saw a racer head was late at night and all the lights in the room off just why wa- just watching the film. And I, I literally felt like I had just woken up after I was done watching it. Cause it was so like immersive and yeah. intense. And I didn't quite get that same intensity of the experience with border, but there was some elements of that, some like, yeah. remnants of that in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they both just have such an interesting way of doing that. Yeah. Taking somewhat horrific, in some cases horrific, in some cases fantastical elements and putting them in really monotonous circumstances.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a was is one of those films where, well, maybe the only film that... Um, <laughs> That I, you know, I think by the time I'd seen it, I had seen some other Lynch before it, 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 you know, I, I was not certainly part of the first wave of, of seeing this. It came out before I was born. Um, but, uh, 77. Yeah. So, um, was that his first? <laughs> it was his first feature. He had done okay. some shorts before then, but yeah. And then Elephant Man feature. was after that? Yep. Okay. Yeah, Exactly. So the, d- what a
1: career that guy's had.
0: Yeah, for sure. Trailer for upcoming uh, uh, Beer and a Movie episodes. I think we're setting up a Seattle episode where we're going to go to a brewery and uh, talk uh, to a brewer there who is a big David Lynch fan, and we're going to talk about Twin Peaks and the Pacific Northwest, and yeah. So stay tuned, Beer and a Movie listeners. But but for this... Uh, <laughs> for this, uh, you know, for Eraserhead... It was really interesting once I got around to seeing it because I think I had seen some other Lynch and it, you know, but but I knew about. Do you this remember what you had film. seen beforehand? I'm I'm certain I'd seen Twin Peaks. I think the first stuff that I had seen that I really knew, probably associated with the the David Lynch na- name, was the D- Twin Peaks TV series. Okay, and then probably realizing Elephant Man, which I might have even seen before that, but then knew but that didn't that know was that him. It was David Lynch. And, I think and
1: Eraserhead might have been my first.
0: Wow, David that's interesting. Worsham, yeah. And I'm pretty sure I saw Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart before I saw. Because I, Eraser I mean, I,
1: I, I, I own Blue Velvet. I saw it at half price books one day uh for a reasonable price, and I bought it. And I mm-hmm. have not felt uh that I was uh, emotionally equipped to deal with that film yet. You've not um, watched it I still have I still haven't watched what? it, but I have seen and as a
0: lover of film soundtracks, that's yes, like I've listened the to the soundtrack.
1: Wow. <laughs> but I uh, but I've seen Twin Peaks, I've seen Fire Walk with Me, I've seen Mahollin Drive, I've seen Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. Um, but Blue Velvet and Lost Highway, both I own uh and have yet to to watch because I just I just don't know that I'm ready. <laughs> But uh, I, I really I do think Eraserhead was my first. Wow, which is really quite a headfirst. That dive is that into, is a headfirst. And nothing I mean nothing can prepare you. I don't. No, think. and nothing gets
0: quite as strange. I mean, they all have their strange elements, but that film from front to back, there's nothing bizarre, normal about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although it's mundane, that's a weird thing. Is like he finds this way to like make the strangeness of the film seem kind of like a boring strangeness. It's just kind of like this is the existence that these people experience. And But but going back to the fetus and that kind of weird, I mean, which in that film seems to be a baby that just is not fully <laughs> yeah, and kept in a drawer, um, that it, I mean, I remember seeing that film and it just kind of, I don't know, like really... Giving me that like sinking feeling in my stomach of like, oh my God, like that's what it's like to like it. It took this thing, uh, procreation, and it put it into this context of disgust and and sort of uh grotesquery that just I had never really thought, you know what I mean? Like th- having babies always seemed like this natural thing, and yet I knew babies were something I didn't know how to take care of. And I wasn't, you know, like, especially as a as a guy, like, I was never really acquainted with that. When I was a kid, I wasn't, like, handed babies to change or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, being, probably seeing it in my early 20s and having that kind of like, oh, th- that's on the horizon. Maybe I could have children someday. And seeing this film that was just like, Oh my God! Yeah. This is like how like you create this life form, and it's this thing, and you have to deal with it. And seeing this, you know, this, this guy, uh, Henry Spencer, that the the lead character have to kind of deal with His that. His Henry Spencer. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, ha- have to deal with that. It 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 totally. Um, it, it resonated with me in a way that I never expected it to. Like, I knew it was this weird, like, midnight movie. I knew it was David Lynch. I had seen these other David Lynch things. But then seeing it, I was like, man, this is, like, this is so <laughs> disturbing.
1: Yeah. No, it is. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's super far out there. Yeah. It's not for the average movie goer. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it is, it, it is something that sticks with you.
0: And I, and I, and it's not as big of a theme and border. I mean, it kind of comes more in at the end of the film. Yeah, I agree.
1: But, but, but what's, but the theme that is in, that is present in both of them is this kind of almost supernatural element that exists in really normal circumstances. Yes. And really just kind of average life. Right. And, that's what ties the two of them together. Yeah. Um, thematically at least. And, yeah.
0: And the del Toro stuff that, yeah, that he as well. he kind of sets that stuff in a reality that we would recognize, but yet there is this other realm. This, there, there is this other thing. Now he goes further with it and I think he gets he goes, more, yeah, uh, a lot further. The, yeah. And I, and I think there's a lot more kind of, um, visual flair to, to, to what he's creating. Definitely but, the visual. flair yeah. for sure. But, Trying to do kind of similar things with grounding it in this reality that we would all recognize.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it is interesting to see a film where it see, everything seems really boring and normal, and then this other thing comes in, because, I mean, there's plenty of things that you witness on a day-to-day basis that you just kind of dismiss and pass off, because like, okay, yeah, whatever, that's just normal stuff, mm-hmm. it's just monotonous kind of day-to-day life. And to instill this idea in the audience that even the most boring of things might have some kind of really crazy element to it. Yeah, Kind of is, is the kind of thing that would like stick with you and make you kind of, you know, if if the film hits you in a certain way, really think harder about your normal everyday life and things that you see and experience and the people that you see and stuff like that. And I mean, especially, especially with border borders, just like a whole other Thing on its. I mean, yeah. That 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 movie. When I left it, I was really just like, oh my god, like <laughs> what what just took place? What did I just yeah. see? Um, all of that stuff is stuff that everyone should witness yeah I think experience I I agree
0: totally I mean I think it's it's great when films and and that's what I think one of the wonderful things that that movies can do is is sort of give us these experiences that are close enough to our own reality that we can recognize ourselves in them but then also kind of push us to experience things that we never would otherwise so you know yeah I think I wholeheartedly agree border as well as a head, as well as Shape of Water, even though I don't think it's his masterpiece. Um, I don't I think, think it's his masterpiece, I think, but it's I, great. I think these are all films that everybody benefits from seeing if if you give the time and attention. Now they're going to challenge you. They're gonna um, they're not going to be those kind of easy to swallow, fun popcorn kind of films, although. I think I ate popcorn.
1: <laughs> you did. You uh, you one hundred percent ate popcorn. I definitely during ate popcorn during yeah, border. Yeah, you did. So, b- but recall. it's not a
0: typical popcorn film. Um, but in any case, I it's think it's not a Julia Roberts movie. A lot to be a lot to be had. Now, is Bigfoot a popcorn ale after it's been aged a few years? Can you can you tell the difference?
1: Slightly less hoppy, I would think. Yeah, would right.
0: Say. Hops always kind of... D- d- Die out a yes, little bit over right. time. Yeah, I would say... So it's, the uh, malt becomes a little more, more the pronounced. focus. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: the it's the, uh, it's the star of the show, I would say. And
0: I, and I think it actually kind of improves. To me. I think this is... And, and this is one of the things that Bigfoot is kind of known for, and at least as kind of an entry-level beer that people will age because... It starts out so hoppy, yeah, and then over time that kind of dies down, and it becomes a little bit more kind of like a, a it it feels a little richer and kind of more malty and caramely, and yeah, yeah, I, I
1: would I, I would agree with that, and um, I just have to speak my piece since we're on the subject of uh, entry level beers to age. Mm-hmm. Um, don't drink a fresh Bourbon County. <laughs> uh, stout. it's uh it's too much man <laughs> age that shit after a year it's prime time good to go yeah uh, i would say um i popped open my 2018 and whew,
0: they, they, they can be a little hot
1: the whiskey yeah hit me hard yeah really yeah. hard um so similar to that this one yeah i could i can see it being a good starter kind of beer to age and sit around for a little while because it does mellow out for sure and it becomes more drinkable i not that i didn't like the 2018 Mm -hmm. that we had i thought it was good um but this one's a little more palatable i would say yeah um i enjoyed them both right um uh, for what they were though and um just as i enjoyed the the bigfoot for what it is i enjoyed border for what it is Uh, yeah it it is. I think that it is a movie I will see exactly one more time. Yeah, just once. Okay. Um, but I don't know after that. And
0: that and, and that's when your children are old enough that they can <laughs> sit down and
1: watch it. it it's just <laughs> possibly that is a very long time from now. Um, <laughs> Kylie, if you're listening to this, that's a very long time from now. <laughs> um, but no, I I mean, I think that I think there are some movies that benefit from a second viewing Mm -hmm. um and i don't know that you need to watch this one a second time but i think that i personally would benefit from watching it another time kind of knowing what i know yeah i'm i mean i'm i'm glad i went into it blind yeah but i also think that after having experienced that blind viewing of it seeing it a second time And kind of seeing everything that's going on, knowing what you know, Mm -hmm. uh, would make it just an entirely different experience. Right. And I think there would be something to be gained from that. Yeah. And so I I think that I will see it exactly one more time. That's interesting. And then after that, maybe I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I think it's,
0: I feel like it's a film that I will, so for one, I did not take my date. to to it so i I know i know it's good but but i'm saying (laughs) it's at some point i'm gonna watch it with aaron because i think it's a film that she should watch and i know she probably won't watch it unless i force her to watch it with me so i I can see doing that but yeah and and i don't know This, this is yeah it's i have a feeling it's one i'll return to i have a feeling it's one that i will go back to i think it is an accomplishment i think it is a film that will stand out for a long time in my mind as, as being one of the only things that again, I've tried to kind of pull some connections here with some of these other films too. Um, But like Eraserhead, it's a very singular experience. Um, I don't watch Eraserhead all the time. Not
1: at all.
0: But it is a film that since I watched it the first time I have watched again. And in part it's because, I, I'll get those images. They're kind of like they'll pop into my head, and I'm like, oh my god, that fetus in a drawer. I need to see, or you know, well, yeah, um, you know, the, the, the it's just I want to see that again. I want guy in his hair is yeah, crazy. Well,
1: I mean, you know, like yeah. just that image alone is yeah, but. yeah. It
0: is. So you know, again, it these aren't sort of uh, easy. Go- don't put these on for the family when they're all mm, over for Christmas Eve, yeah. or you know that that's that, for Space that, Jam. That, that's for Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> or Sahara. Yeah. <laughs> but um but definitely, you know, if you're in a if you're in a contemplative mood, if you're wanting to see something a little bit out there, a little bit different that's gonna challenge the way that you look at the world, how you think about things, these are films that are, I think, absolutely um wonderful to have in our uh
1: and worth it. Yeah. So yeah.
0: all right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for um, giving us the feedback. Please keep that up. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Uh You can also
1: find us on Twitter. Uh, that is at Beer Movie Show. And you can find us on Instagram at Beer in a Movie. And... That's the tea You can find us in those places. Ye- yell right. at us. Tell us uh, that you didn't give a shit about our border episode, and we should review Aquaman or whatever. Hey, I'll big, go see Aquaman. I'm I'm gonna go see it. Yeah. I don't want to, but I'm gonna go. It's just the way that it is. Right. I've accepted it at this yeah. point. Just like I'm gonna go see Avengers Endgame. I don't want to, but I'm gonna go see <laughs> it. I just I've conceded. Yeah. That I'm going to finish phase one yeah. and then rid myself of the Marvel universe. for. Oh, you um, think, but it's I not hope, that easy. I hope. Mm. Uh, but yeah, let us know. Yeah. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, especially if you're listening on Apple podcast, that's hugely important. And if you're listening to the show, uh, download it, don't stream it, download it. Let us, you know, that, that lets us know, um, you know, who's, who's listening and, uh, how many of you there are, uh, and you know, keep uh, keep an eye out for the beer and the movie fan club, and for the uh, early acetate pressings of our podcast before the general public <laughs> gets. <out>. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna take a third man records approach to this whole podcasting business. That's right, Carlos
0: and, Cooper, the Jack White of
1: podcasting. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I can get
0: I can get used to that one. All right. Well, until next time, we're out. We'll